Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Bismillah alhamdulillah rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala. Alhamdulillah rabbil alameen. We are now in Juz 29. We want to welcome you all back to Quran 30 for 30. And remind you before we get started with the night ta'ala that as you go into the 29th night, the last odd night inshallah, to please consider inshallah ta'ala making a donation to Yaqeen. We hope that you've been benefiting from all of the free content that's been coming out. Alhamdulillah Yaqeen is and always will be free inshallah ta'ala and uh, we rely first and foremost on the grace of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and then the investment of people that want to see this content inshallah ta'ala reach as many people in the world and so we need you inshallah ta'ala to not just support yaqeen tonight but support all of the wonderful efforts that are out there Allah knows best if we'll ever get another opportunity like this again subhanallah these last 10 have been uh, absolutely beautiful and um you know, you never know which which one is going to be your last. So let's take advantage, inshallah ta'ala, full advantage of tonight, but the night time. And of course, we make dua for our brothers and sisters around the world, our brothers and sisters in Al-Aqsa, our brothers and sisters in Sudan, our brothers and sisters in Tunisia, our brothers and sisters in Yemen, all over the world. Uh, we, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant them victory and to grant them his aid. Allahumma ameen. Mm-hmm. And with that, inshallah ta'ala, we have Ustada Zainab uh, with us today. Ustada Zainab Ansari, mashallah, the free Palestine stuff is uh, is ama- amazing, mashallah. So you got Palestine all over the room. And, uh, you know, alhamdulillah, even even the, the mark of it, obviously, in, in your hijab. So you were sharing before we got started that uh, your kids your kids put together the room that way? So, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Thank you so much, uh, Sheikh Omar, Sheikh Abdullah, for inviting me. So, so the the poster that you actually see is uh, something that my uh, that my children prepared um, a while back. We were actually going to uh, a march in support of Palestine, and you know, Palestine has just been on our minds over the last uh, few weeks, honestly. So, I felt it just really felt, especially in Ramadan. Uh, really appropriate, you know, for us to to demonstrate our solidarity. You know, as my kids uh, get older, they're much more aware of these injustices that are happening, and how the Palestinian people are just so bravely resisting occupation. So I felt this was really, really important to uh, highlight. You know, in our reflection on, um, you know, on the Quran during Ramadan, when you look at our amazing. Um, you know, Muslim brothers and sisters in, in Palestine and how bravely they are there at Al-Aqsa resisting brutality and standing up against oppression and they're there uh, supplicating Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and praying and, you know, we're just so kind of caught up in our lives here in the West with our first world problems and I just felt very strongly that I wanted to uh, to kind of um, share that support and my kids inspired me, alhamdulillah. Subhanallah, bless you and your family, and bless our brothers and sisters. And Aqsa, Subhanallah, the most touching image. One of the most touching images of Ramadan. I remember um, after the twenty seventh night, looking at the images of Al Aqsa, where the people defied the orders to evacuate, and you had over a quarter million people in Al Aqsa that were in Eretikaf on the twenty seventh night. So while the images, the beautiful images of the Haram in Mecca, with like two million plus people, you know, flooding in Salah, and then, you know, the images of Al-Aqsa, and the images, of course, of Medina, it was like, alhamdulillah, this ummah is still alive, alhamdulillah, but I mean, this ummah still loves its deen, and we, we still have hope in the night. There are reasons for optimism. And of, of all of the three uh, holy places to see Al-Aqsa that way, 
was was deeply moving alhamdulillah i mean because we we have to insist on these places we have to insist on our connection with the ta'ala and of course you know on the other hand subhanallah you see the oppression you see you know the hardships that a lot of our brothers and sisters are going through and we ask allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be with them with the ta'ala um in their in their time of need and uh really want to remind everyone you know again tonight um on, on a very serious note subhanallah make dua for the ummah when you're making dua for your own forgiveness, when you're making dua for your own things, make dua for this ummah. This ummah needs our dua right now. So keep the ummah in your dua with the night. And Zakumullah khair, Ustad Zainab, for reminding us of that uh, today uh, as well. Thank you, Sheikh Abdullah. Sheikh Abdullah, how you doing, man? Alhamdulillah. I mean, can't complain. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Allah, can't complain. Are you, are you dressed today in solidarity with Morocco, Sheikh? Uh, then, yes, yes, yes. The World Cup. Uh, <laughs> right now, I was, I was actually, to be honest, I was looking for a Sudani though, but I there we go. Know. Yeah, so yeah, alhamdulillah. All you gotta hook you up, man. He's the one that's like got the whole Sudani collection. He was on with us last night. Yeah, exactly. I, ha- I had a number of them. That's why I used to wear when I was in Medina. But uh, I don't know where they went. How's your last ten been going? Alhamdulillah, it's, it's going well. Just uh, time management. You know, I like to sleep right after Tarawih and then any live in my night, you know, uh, about a good two hours. And then, you know, make sure I get the last third of the night, you know, by myself. So, inshallah ta'ala, today uh, we're going to switch the order a bit. Ustada um, Zainab actually has prepared the overview of the Jews, alhamdulillah. So, we're actually going to start with Ustada Zainab. Uh, Today with the night so start with Zainab. Bismillah. Go ahead. Thank you so much. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillah rabbil alameen. Wa sallallahu ala sin Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi taslima. Again, it's such an honor to be here for the amazing Quran uh, 30 for 30th Yaqeen Institute. And I just want to uh, begin by reminding everybody that uh, the arrangement of the Mus'haf, you know, that we have in front of us is really a result of a few things. One is that uh, Jibreel alayhi salam visited the Prophet, peace be upon him, uh, in the last year of his life, alayhi salatu wasalam, and they reviewed the Quran twice so that when the Prophet passed away, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, that uh, the, the companions had a really good sense of the arrangement of the Mus'haf, the arrangement of the surahs, the arrangement of the ayahs within the surahs. And I want you all to understand that this is something that is... Um, you know, that really inspires us to be able to read the Quran from a very kind of holistic paradigm or framework. And I want you to understand that for people that uh, that don't understand the Quran, they don't appreciate the Quranic narrative, they are they, they open the Quran sometimes making the mistake of thinking that they're going to find a very linear narrative. And the Quran is not like that. And what you're going to see are very beautiful uh, connections, um, within the surah, from surah to surah, across the ajzat, all around one theme. And that really, really emphasizing that theme. And that theme is the unicity of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the finality of the prophecy of Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi wa sallam. So when we go through the 29th juzah, as, as much as I am reading the 29th juzah, I'm always thinking about the last one, uh, juz amma. So let me say a couple of things about that. So of course, we know that uh, juz 29 begins with uh, surat uh, al-mulk. And inshallah, Sheikh Omar will speak more directly to that. So 
it, it begins, you know, obviously it's called Juzat Tabarak because of that. So it starts with the idea of the majesty, the sovereignty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Um, and what I find very intriguing, and this is something that is really relevant across the entire Quran, whether it is the shorter Mufassal surahs that are revealed in Mecca, uh, that Sayyidah Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha says really emphasize lessons of Tawheed and the afterlife, or whether it is the revelations that come during the Medinan period that are full of legislation. Again, subhanAllah, there really are, there are unifying themes that really kind of help us to understand what is that Quranic paradigm. And whether it is emphasizing, again, resurrection during the Meccan period or reminding the Muslims in Medina what, what is this project of prophetic community? What is it about? It all goes back to, again, these themes of La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. I really, really want to emphasize that. And to point out that with the Quran, it has this really kind of singular quality that if you are coming to the revelation with questions, and I've had this happen multiple times. I know people where this has happened for them multiple times. If you go to that mushaf with that concern on your on, on your mind, whatever might be kind of the concern that you have in your heart, the questions that you have, if you sincerely ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for that guidance, for that clarity, you'll find it across the Quran. But in particular, in the next to last juz, the 29th juz, as soon as we open the surah, we see that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is again directing us to his majesty, his sovereignty, his grandeur in particular, answering the most, really the most profound existential questions that we have about our existence. And, you know, we know uh, there's, a, subhanAllah, there is a whole sort of, um, uh, you know, kind of industry and kind of economy, if you will, of writing and you know there are certain uh, ideas certain philosophies of of new atheism and so on that really are um subhanallah even appealing to people in the muslim community and you know i always find this uh you know really quite baffling when i open the mushaf and i see that every single objection that uh that somebody could raise about the existence of God, about the existence of, uh, of, of the afterlife, about the purpose of creation, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala answers all of these questions throughout these surahs, beginning with al-mulk, and then concluding with the last uh the last surah uh in the jizat. So we really can, I think we can read the the surahs in this particular section with an understanding that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is really issuing a call for, for a paradigm shift. That, you know, as we talk about paradigms, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to tell us what is the truth? What constitutes ultimate reality? How does this, uh, this, this, this quest, this search for truth, how does it look? How does it begin? Where does it culminate? And it really begins always with a divine word and it ends with a divine promise. And we see these themes all throughout the surahs, you know, in uh, in the 29th Jizat. One of the things that really uh, struck me as I was looking at the surahs, I was considering um, that uh, uh, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, so of course, you know, we're going from chapter 67 to, to the next one, Al-Qalam, 
and look at that again. It's not arbitrary, this arrangement, the naming of the surahs. As we go to the next surah in this juzah, it's, it's, to me it's so intriguing that the surah is named for this implement of writing, this implement of, uh, of knowledge. Uh, the Quran, you know, the, the miracle being that it's given to this unlettered people that are not accustomed to having a civilization based upon uh, learning and writing and erudition. But here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is revealing something so incredibly profound here. Noon by the pen and by what they uh, inscribe. You are not You are not, O Muhammad, by the favor of your Lord, a madman. And indeed, for you is a, is a reward uninterrupted. And verily, you are of great, uh, noble character. And, you know, I was reflecting on the surah and the naming of the surah and thinking about the fact that, again, going back to these most existential questions, what do we know about the qalam, right? One of the things, things that we know is that our Prophet said, peace and blessings be upon him, that verily the first to be created by Allah was the pen. Allah told it to write, so it wrote all that will exist until forever. And I just uh, have, you know, I find this incredibly reassuring in that when we open the surahs, as we're reading through the message, you know, as we find ourselves in those moments where we have questions, where we are perplexed, where we are confused, where we are questioning, we are where we are kind of looking around, our, you know, looking around us and whether it's experiences of loss, of, of sorrow, whether it's kind of looking at what is affecting the larger Muslim ummah, to know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is aware, to know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has written all these things, to know that nothing falls outside of the bounds of the will of Allah ta'ala, to me is incredibly reassuring. You know, there's so much more I would love to say about this juzat, um, but I'm really, really eager to learn from our scholars here. So again, thank you for having me on. Jazakumullah khaira, Ustada Zainab, and inshallah ta'ala, I mean, we'd love to hear more inshallah ta'ala, so hopefully... We'll have some time towards the end to discuss some of these further connections. May Allah bless you for those uh, powerful connections thus far. So I actually wanted to talk about the beginning of this juz in Surah Al-Mulk. And I want you to approach Surah Al-Mulk to this juz almost in the same way you approach Al-Fatiha to the rest of the Qur'an. Uh, if you think about juz 29, there is a lot of fear about the punishment of the hereafter, and there's also a lot of hope in the reward in the hereafter. So this is the juz in which you have Surah Al-Qiyamah. This is the juz in which you have Al-Haqa, right? The reality. Uh, this is the juz that talks about the most vivid descriptions of the Day of Judgment uh, for the people. And the start off with Surah Al-Mulk, it, it is an introduction to the entire juz. And on top of that, Surah Al-Mulk protects you from the bad fate of everything you're going to read in the rest of the juz. So the Prophet ﷺ mentioned that Suratun min al-Qur'an thalathuna ayah tashfa'u li sahibiha wa fi riwaya khasamat an sahibiha hatta yughfara lahu tabarak alladhi biyadihi al-mulk. The Prophet ﷺ said that there is a surah in the Qur'an of 30 ayahs that will intercede on behalf of its companion. And in one narration, it will argue on behalf of its companion until that person is forgiven. And it is tabarak alladhi biyadihi al-mulk. So imagine, subhanAllah, on the Day of Judgment, when the Prophet ﷺ mentions to us that Surat al-Mulk comes to you on the Day of Judgment to argue for you in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala until you are forgiven. This surah is the protector 
of all of the bad fate that you find in Surah Al-Qiyamah and Surah Al-Haqah and other places in this juz where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about the one who was unprepared. So you have that. And then you also have the punishment of the grave. And of course, the very famous uh, narration from Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala anhu that whoever recites uh, mulk every night, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will protect him thereby from the punishment of the grave. And he said, and at the time of the Prophet we used to call the surah al-mani'ah, the surah that protects. So if a person heeds the warning of the surah, if a person acts upon the commands of the surah, if a person internalizes this surah as they approach the rest of this juz, then they can hope for the good outcomes that are mentioned in this juz, and they can also hope for protection from the negative outcomes that are mentioned. Now, subhanAllah, just a summary of this again, and then you kind of look at the way that it it really unfolds itself. The beginning of Surah Al-Mulk is, listen, hear, listen, hear, listen, hear, look, observe, look, observe, look, observe. So it's like, it's very clear that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is talking about the functions of everything around you. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, look at these functions. Look at the stars in the sky. Look at the clouds. Look at the creation of the heavens and the earth. You know, why are you not able to see the power and the intelligence of this design just using your bare eyes and using the, the gift that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you of your hearing? I mean, do you see anything off? Do you not understand? Are you not able to appreciate the way that it all functions in perfect harmony? And by the way, Subhanallah, the stars that you see in the sky and the function, the, the things that you see of this galaxy, you might just think it's a decorative ornament and it's even beautiful just as that, but it actually serves a profound purpose. There are things that are happening with these things for your dunya that you can understand and to repel other creations and to do what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commands them to do within the entire scope of his creation that you can't even see that are literally beyond your dimension. So it's it, it's this constant you know, call to you to listen, to see, to observe. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions the entrance of the people who did not heed that into the fire. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions, وَلِلَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا بِرَبِّهِمْ عَذَابُ جَهَنَّمْ وَبِئْسَ الْمَصِيرِ that those who disbelieve will suffer the punishment of the fire. What an evil destination. And then when they're tossed into it, they can hear its roaring. So you couldn't hear Allah's words in this life. You couldn't hear the call in this life. You couldn't use your hearing to come to an appreciation. You know, from this life, now you're hearing the roaring of the fire. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us. It almost consumes itself in fury. And then every time a group is cast into it, the angels say to them, well, weren't you told about this? And they, of course, deny. They say, I mean, they will reply and say, yes, the warners did come to us, but we denied and we said Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has not revealed anything uh, to us in antum illa fi dalal kabir. 
and we said to, to the messengers that you are in pure error. Uh, and they then say to themselves after saying, subhanAllah, you know, reminding themselves that this is what we said to the messengers when they came to us. If only we would have listened and if only we would have used our intelligence, we would not have been in the situation that we are in. And so they confess their sins at that moment and so they find themselves in the residence or amongst the residence of the fire. Now, look at the next verse and this is especially profound as we are in these last 10 nights. So Allah mentions all of these people who were unable to use وسائل المعارف, the faculties of knowing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. لَوْ كُنَّا نَسْمَعُ أَوْ نَعْقِلُ If only we would have heard, if only we would have thought about it, then we would have come to the right conclusion, but we refuse to hear, we refuse to think about it. Now, we hear it, and at the same time, you know, so, so we weren't listening to the message that came through the angel in this life, and now you hear the angel themselves speaking to you saying, سَأَلَهُمْ خَزَنَاتُهَا The angel is saying to you, didn't you hear, you know, didn't you think about it? Now what's, what's missing here is the inability to see, or Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talking about couldn't you see, because what's next in this ayah? إِنَّ الَّذِينَ يَخْشَوْنَ رَبَّهُمْ بِالْغَيْبِ Verily those who feared Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and who were in awe of their Lord in the unseen despite not being able to see him. SubhanAllah. So the people of Ihsan, they feared Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they had awe of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, even though they could not see him. And Allah Azawajal says, لَهُمْ مَغْفِرَةٌ They forgiveness, مِنَ الْغَفُورِ From the most forgiving. So think about when you say, اللَّهُمْ إِنَّكَ عَفُوُ وَنْ تُحِبُّ الْعَفُوَ فَعَفُوَ عَنِّي Oh Allah, you are the... You are al-afu, you're the one who pardons. You love to pardon, so pardon me. Here you have, lahum maghfiratun. You have the forgiveness from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, so you don't have to worry about the consequences of your sin. Wa ajrun kabir. And you have a great reward, which is al-jannah. Okay? So Allah azza wa jal just spoke to us about people who refuse to listen, who refuse to think, and refuse to use the faculties of getting to know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so that they could attain that better place for themselves. And now they have punishment and they have consequence. Here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying for those who used to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the unseen despite not being able to see him. And of course this has two meanings. Uh, One of them the scholars say that Allah is the greatest of the unseen himself. So he is the greatest part of al-ghayb. You couldn't see Allah yet you still worshipped him as if you could see him. And in the unseen refers to you yourself being unseen, meaning you used to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in private and call upon him. You have his forgiveness, kabir, and you have an amazing reward of al-Jannah that awaits you. So Allah Azza is putting you to ease with everything that comes with the rest of this juz. It's important for you to understand that when you hear those descriptions of Jannah, when you hear those descriptions of Allah's forgiveness, when you hear people have a favorable fate on the day of judgment, go back to this ayah, and ask yourself, are you that person? Because if you are, then you'll have the forgiveness of Allah and you'll have an amazing ajr, you'll have an amazing reward. And subhanAllah, the most vivid description of Allah's reward is Surah Al-Insan. <laughs> so you want that? 
here's the here's the description of Jannah. The most beautiful description of Jannah comes through Surah Al-Insan. And inshallah ta'ala with that, I'll go ahead and pass it to Shaykh Abdullah. Jazakumullah khayyakumullah. Bismillah wa salatu wa salamu wa ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala. Oh Allah, make us from the inhabitants of Jannah, those that uh, stay there and reside there forever, inshallah, by the permission of their Lord, our Lord, subhanahu wa ta'ala. What I want to talk about primarily is uh, how Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, as Sheikh Omar mentioned, uh, how he, you know, within the, cha- the chapter of uh, Tabarak al-Mulk, how he tells us to use our senses, the senses that he has created for us, facilitated for us to use in a way that is befitting for our existence and our purpose. But taking a backtrack and then seeing subhanAllah uh, that was mentioned earlier regards to even knowing our purpose. This is a question nowadays. You know, you find within a lot of men that are falling into the movements of masculinity, etc., and finding out who they are as a man and what it means to be a man in this society, in this era. The first uh, tenet that a lot of them speak about is knowing your purpose. But what is important for the Muslim, particularly if they're trying to find their purpose, which is a fitri aspect. It is something that the naturally the human being will sit and ask, why am I here? And once I find out why I'm here, what am I supposed to do about it? Well, the muntalaq, the, the, the first, the umda or the milestone, which, which you should start at, is knowing your purpose, your existence of why you're here. Those that may not believe in God, but those that may want good for people, it is important to know, particularly for the Muslim, if we take from them, we have to take it with, quote unquote, a grain of salt. Why is that? Because our foundation is based on our belief in God. Our belief in God entails and requests from us to live accordingly. But if there's someone that calls people to good, whatever good may be for them, we as Muslims understand that good emanates from what God has told us what is good and what he has told us what is evil. So based on that premise, our purpose is couched in our belief in God, in our in our, 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 our love of God, and many other aspects of worship, love, fear, honor, respect, trust, all of those ultimately are manifested in God, in the creator of the heavens and the earth. This is important in regards to the Quranic worldview of the purpose of life, which was spoken about earlier. What I want to capitalize on is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks, particularly at the end of the chapter of, uh, 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 of uh, uh, beginning of the chapter of Al-Insan and at the end of Qiyamah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about those that were disbelievers and they belied the message and turned away. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asks a rhetorical question. Rhetorical question is a question where you know the answer or it is something that if you dig dug deep inside of yourself, and you were truthful, there would be a level of i'tiraf, a level of acknowledgement of that which you've already felt. But due to society, due to friends, family, etc., the environment, it may have altered or may have, quote unquote, for lack of better words, adulterated your thinking and your, your, your process of what is moral, what is chaste, etc. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says here, does man think that he will be left alone unquestioned? What is beautiful about this word suda, suda actually comes from uh, what, is no, what is used for the camel, the camel that wanders aimlessly. How many people do we meet in our life when you ask them, why are you here? I don't know. What's your purpose? I don't know. But for the Muslim, the one that believes in a God, voluntarily, particularly speaking to our youth as well, voluntarily believes in God understands who he is and what he says he is not. And the purpose of that, when they're asked, why, why are you here? 
they can at least say, you know, it's to worship God and to do my best in that fashion. And he has given me a framework. And that is the religion of Islam. That's the Sharia. And the Sharia is there to nourish my soul the more that I practice and do my best. Because religiosity is just me doing my best. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, does mankind think that they were left aimlessly, right? And this should automatically bring intibah or, you know, bring the attention to the individual that may have questions about life, which is normal. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says here, أَلَمْ يَكُنُوا طُفَةً مِّمَّ نِيُّمْنَا ثُمَّ كَانَ عَلَقَةً فَخَلَقَ فَسَوَّا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has asked the question again, was he not a drop of fluid? Of fluid? Was he not a drop of human fluid? Then he became a clot and then Allah made it into a living body and proportioned its parts. So Allah even mentions the periods of gestation or embryology, if you will, that Allah creates us in stages that we know takes place in the womb of the mother. But then Allah says, then after they're created, you notice how your hands are the same length, your legs are the same length. Generally, the majority of human beings are with that particular uh, uh, characteristic. Then Allah confirms the genders, he says here, and he has made them a pair. Zoj is a pair. And what's the pair? Male and female. Allah asks the question, is Allah, does he then not have the power to bring dead to life? Allah just gives you a small aspect of his creation. And I always want to remember, remind us that there is the anatomy, the creation, and the physiology, the functionality of that creation, created object, that anatomy, that particular thing, whether it's the cell or whether it's the hand. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, isn't he the one that just gave you this example of all of these forms of creation and its stages and how it manifests? Shouldn't he be the one that's able to bring the, the dead back to life? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is reminding you of his rububiyyah, his lordship, his ability, which is a, an introduction for you to show you what ultimately the purpose of life should be. And it should involve Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then Allah goes on to the next chapter. After mentioning the creation and the stages, he asks a question again. He says, after He asks the question, was there a period of time when man was not even worthy of mention? Now, scholars have mentioned here with the man here, uh, Insan, particularly scholars mentioned, was Adam because he is our father. He is the first of creation. That he was not anything that was mentioned at the time. Scholars mentioned before the ruh, before the, the spirit, the soul was, was blown into him by the angel Jibreel, by the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, there was no mention of him. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continues on to say, Inna khalaqna insana min amshajin. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions the stages again. He says, verily, we created man out of a drop of intermingled fluid so that we may try him. So here, amshaj is the mixture of the fluid of the man and of the woman. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, after that, minutafatin amshajin, then after that, nebatalihi, so that we may try him. So he kind of fast forwards and says, okay, the purpose of khalq, the purpose of your creation was to be tried by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to be tested. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the chapter of Tabarak, in the chapter of, uh, of Mulk, Why? The one that has created life and death. Why? To test you. To see which one of you are best in your actions. What's beautiful here is he says, to show best, to show that there is a range. You will make mistakes, but there is always ahsan. There is no ceilings for the Muslim in regards to their efforts to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There's always an opportunity for you to be 
better. But it will require from you at times to take it back to the basics. Why was I created? Wow, Allah created me from uh, uh, the mixture of fluids. And then he's proportioned me. He has fashioned me. Allah wants you to think about this because when you think about it, you firstly say, Subhanak, I'm not able to do this. This is beyond my own imagination. This has been mentioned 1400 plus years ago, discovered much later. And there's many more discoveries that have not been, that have not happened, but it's mentioned in the Quran. But I want to ponder over that. My purpose of life is to show him gratitude to the best of my ability. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when he says, basira, then he mentions he, we've given him the senses, hearing and seeing. We will end here. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, after that, surely we showed him the right path, regardless of whether he chooses to be thankful or unthankful. So here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is showing, we have given him the huda, we have shown him the path, and we give him the tawfiq, if he or she reaches out for it. Because we know there's two types of guidance. There's the guidance of showing you the way and there's the guidance of enabling you to go the way. So Allah SWT will show you the truth. He will show you the haq. He will show you morality. He will show you honesty. He will show you goodness. But are you making the small effort, at least the intention? Because what's so beautiful about Islam and in general, what's beautiful about a father, a mother, a friend is that they appreciate your intention. But Allah rewards you more than we quote unquote deserve just for our intention. So making that intention to understand our purpose of our existence and having an oath with Allah that Allah, once I see this, inshallah, I will do my best to live accordingly. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says there are people that are like that shakin. They show gratitude to that. But there are those that are kafur. They close it, whether they cover it, whether it's denial, whether it's whether it's defiance. There are people that do not want to live up to that purpose. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions the abode for the first, and he mentions the abode for the latter. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us to those that remember his greatness, that remember his beautiful names and attributes, and that they are consistently showered upon us, and to make us to those that call upon him to further fulfill our ultimate purpose. You know, Shaykh Abdullah subhanahu last night someone in the masjid came up to me and he said that, you know, I, I, I fell in love with the Qur'an through Qur'an 30 for 30. I didn't really understand the deep connections, the intricate connections of these things until I started watching Quran 30 for 30 on a nightly basis and he was in Tahajjud. And SubhanAllah, he was saying that it's taught me before before I even get to it just to start thinking about connections, uh, before I even listen to y'all talk about it. And, and SubhanAllah, that's the beauty of the Quran is that Asha. nothing is accidental, nothing is random. Yeah. May Allah Azawajal accept and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us people of the Quran uh, yeah. who do tadabbur of his ayat, his ayat as in his, as, as Ibn al-Qayyim says, we just actually covered this in Ridat al-Sabirin, uh, that the one who contemplates the ayat of Allah that are manifest in his revelation and the ayat of Allah that are manifest in his creation will not find themselves in loss. I mean, you'll you'll constantly be immersed in that. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us those people. And they're deeply connected in this in this juz, the, the, the contemplating Allah's revelation, the contemplating on his creation. So I wanted to firstly ask Ustad the Zainab any other connections you have in the Jiz that you wanted to elaborate on, any uh, comments, inshallah, final thoughts. We'd love to hear them, inshallah. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Thank you, uh, Shaykh Omar and Shaykh Abdullah. So as you were presenting, uh, I was thinking, subhanAllah, about the the role of the intellect in terms of how we receive the Quran, in terms of how you respond. And, you know, if you, if you recall uh, last year, 
And probably the year, the year before that, one of the things that I really love to do as part of the Quran 30 for 30 is to reflect on uh, the impact of the reception of the Quran on those around the Prophet and to kind of think about, and, and, and the reason why I think about this is because, you know, often we get these questions about, well, why doesn't everybody believe and why is it easy for one person to have faith and the other person is struggling or, or, the, or the other person is, is a disbeliever. And I think it's really helpful for us to uh, kind of go back, look at the surahs, uh, look at how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about human faculties uh, in these surahs and to consider how in the uh, climate of Mecca, in the environment around the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, that you had people that had, um, uh, you know, probably commonalities in terms of coming from Quraysh, in terms of some of the, maybe the family kind of uh, biographies and so on. But the reception of the Quran is 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 very different for men that are very intelligent men. So as, as Sheikh Omar was speaking, I was thinking about um, the ayahs in Surah Al-Qalam where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reveals to the Prophet, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim, Do not obey every worthless um, um, uh, someone that kind of just kind of makes these kind of empty sort of uh, oaths who goes about scorning people with malicious gossip a preventer of good transgressing and sinful um, uh, and then the, the, the ayahs go on to tell us when our verses are recited to him he says legends of the former people so these ayahs are actually about Al-Walid ibn Al-Mughira. And also another thing that I, I was thinking about as, um, as, as Sheikh Omar, as you spoke, um, you know, you mentioned the ayah in, in, in Al-Mulk, And they will say, if only we had been listening or reasoning, we would not be amongst the companions of, of the, the blaze. And then also thinking about Sheikh Abdullah's presentation in terms of the overall purpose of existence, the questions that, that, we, that we should ask, and then thinking about Surah Al-Mursalat, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, يَنْطِقُونَ So, uh, again, trying to put those thoughts together, just thinking about, again, you have two people, um, Al-Walid ibn al-Mughira and, and Sayyidina Umar, عنه, you know, in, in, endowed with faculties, with intelligence, with um, leadership amongst the Quraysh, and just look at how the, the vastly different response to, you know, to the message. And what's so interesting is that Sayyidina Umar, there's a story ascribed to him in the Musnad of Imam Ahmed about how he hears the verses from Al-Haqqa and he becomes receptive towards the Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him. He says uh, that he felt that Islam had begun to settle in his heart at that point. And then you, then Al-Walid, I was just reading something about Al-Walid ibn al earlier, which I wanted to share. And Al-Walid ibn al-Mughira, like he has these moments, like these sort of... Uh, kind of flashes of, of sort of uh, brilliance, and then they're kind of like overshadowed. So um, Al-Walid ibn al-Mughira, I'm sure, you know, you, you know this story better than me. He's the first person at, who actually, when the Quraysh are gathered around to rebuild the Kaaba, who actually ventures to, he can, you know, to pick up the axe and actually um, say, okay, I'm going to, because I think but, uh, Banu Makhzum, they had, I think, the section of the Kaaba uh, between, I believe it was... Um, the Hajar Aswan Rukan Yamani, they actually had that. So he goes and he takes his axe and he actually says, as he's taking the axe to dismantle that part of the Kaaba so they can rebuild it, he actually says, to, he prays to Allah and he actually says, Allahumma lam nazir. 
which means, oh Allah, we have actually not departed from your religion. This is Al Walid ibn Bulira actually saying this. Imagine mm-hmm. that, right? Mm-hmm. There's like that brief little moment there, and then he says, Allahumma la nuridu illa illa al khair is what he says. Oh Allah, we do not want except that which is khair. So again, I want, I really want to emphasize this point that these two, you know, these these two men with similarities but vastly different outcomes, because the same Al Walid ibn Al Bulira that's instrumental in rebuilding the Kaaba. And we know how the story concludes, mashallah, the Prophet comes in, alayhi salatu salam, they say the Al-Amin is here, let him place the black stone, and he resolves that dispute amongst the Quraysh. But the same Al-Walid who has that moment of, of recognizing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the same Al-Walid ibn Al-Mughira that these ayahs are revealed about, because ultimately those faculties that he really, that he needs, like true sound understanding and intelligence, he does not have that, right? He doesn't have that perception of, of ghayb anymore that uh, that Sheikh Omar spoke about, whereas Sayyidina Omar, look at that trajectory, right? He goes from that hostility to embracing Islam. So it's really interesting when you think about the impact of these ayahs on on uh, on uh, the people around the Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him. Zakhmullah, subhanAllah, what profound reflections. Indeed, it, it is the acting upon the moment and not just having the moment, you know, and that's what even Ramadan differentiates um, the repenters from uh, those that will maintain their state. May Allah and make us from the repenters. Allahumma ameen. Sheikh Abdullah, any final thought? Uh, just the aspect of, you know, sometimes you'll find, I remember when I, I became a Muslim, you'll find people will say, yeah, that's for you. You know, and you know, we're different people, different psychology, different experiences. So Islam is good for you. But for me, due to my experiences, you know, we may have the same faculties, but due to our experiences, our personality, it doesn't fit me. But it's just a reassurance that it's universal. And it's, it's important for us to dig deep with humility. For joining us uh, tonight with the powerful reflections. And as you all go into the 29th night, please keep us in your dua once again. Uh, last last push to donate, inshallah. Um, tonight, please join us for we'll, we'll have a lot going on tonight, inshallah ta'ala. We'll have our late night khatib. We'll also have our khatim Quran dua bidnanahi ta'ala. So, those of you that will be joining on YouTube that should uh, go live around, I want to say, uh, around 11 p.m. Central. A little earlier, hopefully, inshallah ta'ala, where we do our khatm al-Qur'an du'a. Uh, so please do join us with the night ta'ala. Mustad Zainab, you wanted to share one more thing? I'm sorry, if I may just share one more thing. Uh, so this is back to you know our conversation in the beginning around Palestine. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to see the liberation of Palestine during our yeah. lifetime. You know, my, my daughter, of course, we've never been to Palestine, but she has this dream about al-Aqsa, and in, I really want to share this because it's very powerful. She's never had a dream like this. She sees Al-Aqsa and she's, she sees an angel, a massive angel. It's in, it, white and brilliant. And it's there at Al-Aqsa and throngs of people. And she has a very strong, in this dream, she has a very strong sense of the, the angel actually saying that we've become uh, distracted by the world from what really matters. And then in, in the next part of her dream, subhanAllah, she's actually going to people saying, so she's kind of having a dream within the dream, and she's describing to people what happened, seeing Al-Aqsa, the angel, the angel sit, reminding us we've been distracted from what really matters. And she says at that point, the people that she tells about the dream are just supplicating, as if it's like Yom Al-Qiyamah. It was really, really powerful. And I just wanted to share that because it just comes out of the blue. And she's never had a dream like that. And I think just the timing of it with everything we've seen in Palestine and the Muslims... 
standing there, being strong, and I mean, in the face of just this tyranny and oppression, you can really see people that truly have this yaqeen, that they truly believe in the akhirah. Like you can see the contrast there, that that stark contrast between the tyranny and the disbelief and the kufr and arrogance embodied by the Zionists as they block people from worshiping Allah Ta'ala peacefully and the beautiful iman of the Palestinians. It's just amazing. And again, we're distracted from that because we're just constantly worried about our own sort of situations and kind of chasing our immediate concerns and worldly consumption. And I really want to emphasize this point to our dear listeners. Let's make sure to keep our beloved brothers and sisters in our du'a. That's such Ameen. an important, powerful Ameen. thing right now. Amen. Amen. That's the best conclusion for tonight. So our, our, our brothers and sisters in your du'a, inshallah, and laqsa. And also, I reward you all. Jazakumullah khairan for the incredible reminders of Stada Zainab. And uh, Sheikh Abdullah, as always, barakallah fikum. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Wa alaikum